Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of ANC's Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Esguera. Alright, so the Philippines is this year's host of the Southeast Asian Games. Uh, this is described as the uh, biggest multi-sport event in this part of the world, the Southeast Asian region. And uh, by all indications, the Philippines is on track to top the medal tally. But uh, we need to talk about a lot of facets of this hosting. In particular, for example, the relationship between the POC and the PSA and the, uh, uh, PSC. Uh, the PSC. The PSC. So for today, we're fortunate to be joined by uh, one of the uh, veteran sports persons in the Philippines. Uh, she's none other than the uh, former uh, president of the Philippine Olympic Committee, Ms. Christy Ramos. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Okay. First, number one, the, the Philippines on track to top the medal standings, the medal tally. Uh, is this unexpected or expected? I think it's expected pretty much. Uh, the fact that we're hosting is pretty much an advantage to, to us in the sense that when we propose to host and we put in our bid to be the host for the Southeast Asian Games, we were also able to pick uh, the sports which we would have a strong showing in. So I think this is expected and the fact of course that there is the hometown advantage aside from knowing you know the venues and of course you have the hometown crowd cheering for for the teams. I think this is uh, this is really expected for the Philippines to do well. Now let's go back to the basics. Why in the first place are host countries allowed to pick and choose the events that they can include? Well, that's one of the incentives for countries to host, um, you know, such events. The fact that, you know, um, the likelihood of a country, the host, to do quite well in the event is a push for the country to host and, and of course, bid for, for future uh, events. And, of course, it, it also focuses on a lot of things, you know, like the economic uh, development, it spurs economic development, for example, and it also encourages the people to be more aware of sports, so there is an educational component to it. Uh, but, but that's more of an incentive for a country to host the, the games. Yes, because of course it's, it's an expensive undertaking and a lot of um, countries actually do back out in hosting you know, such events. In fact, uh, in Vietnam, we're supposed to host um, I think the tw 2014 Southeast Asian Games, and they actually backed out because it was going to cost the government too much money. So <coughs> they also had to balance out the financial costs and, of course, the benefits to this, you know, the social benefits to uh, hosting these events. But, but from, the, from uh, purely the perspective of competition, is this a good thing, meaning the, the host country is allowed to, to choose which events would be advantageous to them? Well, the hosting actually rotates. So for the Southeast Asian Games, it's um, generally alphabetical order, but there are um, versions of the games where a host cannot um, host the game. So they have to ask another country to bid and serve as the uh, alternate host. So for example, for this version of the games, um, ba Cambodia backed out. So the Philippines bid for it, and we knew that we were going to host way back in 2015. Um, the 2017 version was Malaysia, and before that, 2015, it was Singapore. So you see that letter S, letter M, letter P. 
wasn't necessarily an alphabetical order. In 2015, Singapore hosted it because it also coincided with their 50th um, anniversary as a nation, and it was appropriate for them to host it in 2015, and the Southeast Asian Games Federation approved of this. Now, now when you say mm -hmm. that the country can uh, bid for the hosting of the SEA Games, uh, are we talking here of the country, meaning the government, or is this a private, strictly a private undertaking? Again, it's initiated by the National Olympic Committee. So uh, you would have, for example, the uh, Singapore Olympic Council or the Malaysian Olympic Council. Uh, sometimes they call the committee a council, but it is the equivalent of the National Olympic Committee. But of course, they have to do with in collaboration with their governments. And generally, we say, or we mention the name of the country to represent really the the bid or the, the host. So um, not many countries really in the world are uh, financially independent, so to speak. And um, the U.S. is actually one of those rare countries which can really stand on its own, meaning it doesn't receive government funding in supporting its uh, Olympic Committee. And a lot of it really, a lot of the support, especially financial, comes from private corporate sector it comes from volunteers, it comes from individuals who believe in, in sport and the so Olympic movement. So that is the basic reason why uh, you need a private foundation, for example, or uh, a non-government organization to well, initiate? Well, well, in this case, okay, um, the IOC, the Olympic Council of Asia and the National Olympic Committees in this region, even the Southeast Asian Games Federation, are all private entities, okay? And they have been duly constituted legally in their own respective countries. So in this case, in the Philippine Olympic Committee, as a private uh, organization, it has been incorporated under the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, going by the FISGOC as a private foundation to help the Philippine Olympic Committee to run the Southeast Asian Games, I feel strongly, really, that it was not necessary for FISGOC to be created, to be incorporated. Incorporated, but okay. it, it, it had to be created. Yeah, it had to be created because all hosts have to have an organizing committee. So it's OC, and it, it, the C does not stand for corporation, <laughs> okay? Because also, uh, the Philippine Olympic Committee by itself is already incorporated. So they could raise funds, especially from private sector, and that would have been legal. And of course, we needed the FISGOC to manage the operations of the whole Southeast Asian Games. So is that a duplication since the uh, POC is already incorporated? Yes, it is. I, I believe it is. And there is no reason why the POC cannot raise its own funds. And then whatever funds it has, whether it's private a corporation or donations from volunteers okay. and individuals, they own and hold the funds okay. from now, that. Be before we go deeper into that mm -hmm. controversy, let's talk about the structure. So you have the International Olympic Committee, mm -hmm. and then individual countries have their own National Olympic Committees. Yes. In the case of the Philippines, it's the POC. Yes. 
So Which is a private, private entity. Okay. Now, what is the relation between the Philippine Olympic Committee and the Philippine Sports Commission? Okay. The Philippine Sports Commission is the government agency for sport. It is directly under the office of the president. So it's directly under Malacanang. And all the members there, okay, all the officials there, from the chairman to the four commissioners, are government appointees. They are appointed directly by the president of the Philippines. And, um, and their main job is? And their main job really is to supervise the sports program in the Philippines, but also to serve as a policy-making body, okay? But on the elite side, we already have the Philippine Olympic Committee and the National Sports Association. So I feel that I the relationship between the POC as a sporting body slash NSAs vis-a-vis -vis the Philippine Sports Commission should not be competitive. Meaning the PSC should not involve itself so much in international competitions. Okay. Why? why? Because it's a government agency. It is for the whole Philippine nation. It is for the whole 110 million plus Filipinos. So the PSC has to come out with programs or policies which will cater to all those 110 million Filipinos. So let's Not say you want to develop the grassroots for future athletes, let's say in the Olympics, that is the, uh, the province of the PSC. Well, it, it always goes hand in hand because the NSAs are the technical experts in the respective sport, okay? Uh, for example, basketball. The uh, Samahan ng Basketball sa Pilipinas will tell you what's basketball, what, what's that sport, okay, what's that game, what are the rules, what is the equipment to be used, how many players, what kit or what uniforms do they need to wear, who are the officials of the game, what is the format of competition. So the NSAs really define all these things, which the PSC, does not have authority over. So the NSA is answered to what? The PSC or to the their internet? Well, directly to their international federations. Which is the so, for example, for for basketball, SBB will be answerable to FIBA. Okay. For football, they will they will the Philippine Football Federation will be answerable to FIFA. FIFA and these so are private. Yes, uh, these organizations. Are yes, private organization, and there is a direct lineage from the NSA here in our country and all the other countries direct to the International Federation. And how do they relate to the POC, the Philippine Olympic Committee? Okay, the Philippine Olympic Committee, because it, it's really, um, it defines what the Olympic movement is, okay? So it, it is really the largest sporting body in the world and the most popular. And um, it, it promotes the participation and encourages people to go into sport. And it does not necessarily have to be for medals or for competition. But to them, the, more, the most important thing is participation, mm -hmm. that you tried even if you failed. But, but given all these mm -hmm. parallel efforts or structures, who coordinates the actions of all of them? It really depends because, again, the IOC really governs the Olympic Games. The and they deal with the POC? Yes. Okay. For the Olympics? Yes. The Olympic Games, the Asian Games, the Southeast Asian Games. 
And of course, you have the Winter Games, the Paralympics, the Asian Youth Games, and so on, which, which are under the direct authority and supervision of the IOC. So who determines, for example, in the case of the Philippines, which uh, delegates or athletes would be, sensed, uh, would be sent to the Olympics, Asian Games, Southeast Asian Games? It's the Philippine Olympic Committee. It's the POC. Yes, Bamboy it is the now. Yes. Okay. Okay. But the different international federations and down the line, the national sports associations also have their own individual competitions. So, for example, for football, you have the FIFA World Cup, okay? Or you also have on the Asian level, under the Asian Football Confederation, you would have the Asian Cup or the Asian Women's Cup. And really, the Philippine Olympic Committee does not have a direct hand in these individual events. So, for example, you have uh, World Bowling, the World Bowling Cup. It will, it, it will be the NSA for bowling in the Philippines to determine whether we participate, how to train the athletes, and the POC really doesn't have a say in this. Now, if the POC doesn't have a say in that particular case that you mentioned, in that example that you cited, uh, why do people always, for example, blame the government for not giving enough support for the athletes? Okay. Um, really, the control of the Philippine Sports Commission over the NSAs and the Philippine Olympic Committee has been logistical and financial. Okay. Supervisory. Um, as uh, it would be called. And this is really necessary because we are using public funds, mm -hmm. public resources. So necessarily there has to be some accountability in the usage of these resources from private sector, which are of course the Philippine Olympic Committee and the NSAs. But if you were to have an NSA which can raise its own funds, which can be independent and autonomous, it really has the right to do whatever it wants. Meaning, okay, we want to go to the Uber Cup, which is like the international, the world competition for badminton. PSC cannot say, no, you cannot go. Because, okay, the Philippine Badminton Association maybe would say, well, we can go because this is our mandate to develop the sport and also to make sure that our athletes are able to, able to participate in such competitions. And if they had the money and the resources to do so, why not, right? And um, this has been the source of conflict with the Philippine Sports Commission and the POC slash NSAs in the sense that the PSC holds the money. And of course, it's just rightly so that the NSAs and the POC be accountable for public money. But um, then again, I do not see any reason why the POC and the NSAs can do their own thing mm. and develop and promote sports, especially on the international level. So it depends on the if, competence. If they were able to raise their own funding and were able to have their own proper resources to do so. But for the NSAs that cannot do that, of course, the government is expected to step in. Well, it's also mandated under Republic Act 6847, which is one of the functions of the PSC as a government sporting body, is to help finance the NSAs. But again, it's, it's a two-way street. So if the NSAs want government money or public money, they have to be accountable and responsible for it. 
Now, from an outsider mm-hmm. looking in, it seems that the structure is quite convoluted. Is it? Yes, it is. Because a lot of people think that the POC is actually government and that the PSC does the function of the Philippine Olympic Committee. Mm-hmm. And I think down the line, it has been that way because the PSC is mandated to give money under the, um, the GAA, the General Appropriations, Appropriations Act. Act. Also, they have a budget that comes from Congress. So um, it's easy, relatively easy, for the NSAs and the POC to receive that money, to get that money. Of course, they have to justify the, you know, the, the usage. But it's there because it is mandated by law. But how do you put the priorities uh, in, in the plan? For example, which particular sport event gets the lion's share of government funding? The criteria that they've been using now, I- it's kind of a chicken and egg situation because PSC will say, oh, those who can produce metals will get the lion's share. And those who are kulelat, well, too bad for you. But it's kind of chicken and egg because, you know, the weaker ones, the kulelat ones, those are the ones that you need to help. Precisely. And this is where the PSC also has to define now the priorities in the sense that, for example, our niece. Should we put more funding into our niece because it is our national sport? We can promote it en masse. We can promote it among our people. And we delivered a lot of medals in the we, Games th- this year. There is a strong potential for international championships, I mean, accomplishments. And how can it benefit the people out- outside of the gold medal potentials? Does it contribute to the health of the people? Does it contribute to the fitness? Does it contribute to community development? For example, okay, our niece uses bamboo sticks. Can it spur a even a backyard industry, <laughs> small and medium industry? Kamagong, in, in yung kamagong yeah, industry. Yeah, or kamagong, right? Um, whatever materials they use. Can it help our people financially in so that So these sense? are the considerations. I, I would think they should be. It, it's not just the medal-winning potential, but I think... Most of our sports leaders just look at the medal potentials so, of so sports. So far, which particular sports events are not getting that much priority from the government compared to other events? Um, again, the it's... so-called kolelat ones. Yeah, the kolelat ones, okay. Um, I, I would think it, it's not even the, just the kolelat ones, but I guess those which are perceived as rich sports. For example, polo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, set, let's set them okay, aside. Or, or equestrian. Uh, they have okay. their own funding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, by and large, you know, they're not going to, well, if government can help them, why not, right? Um, I'm not exactly sure, you know, which sports are, would, would, you know, the proportions of government funding. But I would think like more obscure sports, like, for example, lawn bowls, mm-hmm. okay, uh, or patank. Okay, so, uh, or even, you know, courage. <laughs> Okay. Sports so events that ordinary Filipinos might not have heard of. <laughs> exactly, but um, we're, we're trying to push it because maybe we can medal in those sports. So um, these sports are, you know, the obscure ones. I don't want to really say obscure, but um, the less popular ones. Yeah, relatively I, less yeah, popular. Yeah, relatively less popular ones would have lesser funding because also I think they have to establish a track record. Meaning, fine, you're winning a lot of medals here for the Southeast Asian Games, but 
what about the Asian Games and the Olympic Games? Is there a real potential for that? But again, if it can be twisted in such a way that it can be promoted locally so that the Filipinos are actually participating in this sport and there is a solid grassroots development. And again, it's not for the gold medal potentials, but again, does it make the Filipinos stronger physically, mentally, psychologically? Mm. And also, of course, now the biggest issue of President Duterte is the drug problem. Why are we not using sports to prevent and solve this, uh, this problem? In fact, I'm very surprised really with the 30th Southeast Asian Games. Given its visibility and exposure, not only here in the Philippines, but of course worldwide in the media, on the internet and other digital platforms, uh, the 30th Southeast Asian Games could have used as a, a program, as a platform to promote a no to drugs campaign. Yeah. So I, I don't know why the government has not done this or even the Philippine Olympic Committee and the Philippine Sports Commission, which, um, you know, this, has, this can be very relevant. And of course, we're dealing with the youth. A lot of our athletes are, are still in the youth category. And this will really send out a strong message, especially that the Philippines is now number one in winning all the gold medals. So this one so missed opportunity for, I, for I the government. I think so. That, that is a very big missed opportunity for this government to use this as a platform to uh, bring out the campaign of you know say no to drugs okay so you explained the convoluted uh, <laughs> structure of the sports programs here in the Philippines now let's go to the other issue which uh, even myself when I was you know, much younger I was wondering how come politicians mostly were running the show shouldn't we leave the sports events to the actual experts? Well, I believe in democracy in the sense that anyone and everyone should and can participate in sport. But again, I, I also sub subscribe to the belief that it should be competent and knowledgeable people to run the, the events and, and sports development in this country. So um, why is it politicians to run the sports programs in the country? I think it's it's because also you know going back to the real basic fundamental um, you know analysis of this whole thing. I think in this country we think that sports is just fun and games. It, it's it's trivial pursuit, okay, compared to to other things in life. Given that, we will not study it academically. We will not study it scientifically. We will not give it enough time, you know, ad uh, from our attention and our efforts. So it's just leisure, a game for exactly. us. Exactly. Okay, it's just leisure. It's, you know, you can just do it when you, you're bored and you have nothing to do. It, it's not a serious undertaking. It's not a serious career. I think that's, that's how most people look at sport in this country. But if you look at China, you know, Germany, Japan, the U.S., how do they look at sport or even Australia? Or Singapore. Singapore. <coughs> they will use sport in relation to a more normal objective. For example, go into sports because you want to improve your health. Or go run because you want to lose some weight or you want to look sexy or improve your, your figure. If you have a better health condition, 
you have lower blood pressure, you don't have diabetes, you don't have the need for medication, that lowers your insurance costs. You probably don't have to go to the hospital and so see a doctor. So preventive, and then it saves government money. Exactly. Not but only government, but of course, private money. But we have okay. politicians in position of okay. uh, to, to, to handle sports programs. Exactly. So isn't this something that they should be looking at also? I, I think this is what they should be doing. And, and the reason why they're really maybe not looking into it, because they have never been practitioners of sport. They don't know what it's like to go into sports because they say, ah, it's too difficult. It's too difficult to walk. It's too difficult to run. I have to sweat. I'll be mabaho. I don't have time <laughs> to shower and, and all these other excuses. So uh, given that, you will have a lot of characters in the story just come into the sport and pretend that they know. They pretend that they know because they saw the Olympic Games on TV or they saw Bata Reyes playing billiards and read him in the newspaper. So people will really follow what is apparent and visible to them. You know, I mean, who follows barangay sports, right? I mean, that's so badui. They call it ano, <laughs> the interchinelas, uh, exactly. interchinelas okay. leagues. So who watches the interchinelas when we can watch some fancy inter, you know, sneaker <laughs> uh, sports outfit competition, right? Uh, but, but, but to be fair, certain uh, politicians in position now to handle sports events were actually former sportsmen themselves, right? Yes. But, but here, my question is this. Uh, the POC is clearly a non-government, a private organization. So why do we keep putting politicians there? Former or current? For example, in the case of uh, the POC now, you have the Cavite representative, Bambol Torrentino, heading it. So wha what's the wha rhyme wha reason behind it? He's not the only one. So you have former congressman and PSC commissioner, Monica Puentevelia, yeah. heading uh, weightlifting. You also have former PSC chairman, Popoy Wico, heading athletics. You have... Um, I think Zabiri, Senator Zabiri. Yeah, Senator Zabiri heading uh, Arnis. And so on down the line, right? And then the FISGOC, the Philippine Sea Games Organizing Committee, is headed... Committee or corporation? Okay, okay, okay. We'll go into that later, okay? Let's just use the term that they use, committee, for now. Okay. It's headed by the House Speaker, Alan Peter Caetana. So why do they have all these politicians uh, in this entire endeavor? Uh, what's the basic well, reason? That well, okay, let, let's take out the sporting component out. I mean, for, you know, just to level the playing field. And the common factor would be the fact that they're all politicians. Mm. You would need, and it doesn't even happen just here in the Philippines. It happens in, you know, most countries worldwide, that they would put a prominent politician to have the sports program or the organizing committee. For example, for the Tokyo uh, Olympics next year, the one that has, and that's heading the, the um, organizing, organizing committee is the former prime minister. Yeah. Because I think the perception is that the politicians have the pull. They have the influence. They can get people to act. They can make things happen. They can make things happen. They can make things move. And of course, it's sort of a bridge between private sector, which they belong to, but they're also public officials. So it's a bridge between uh, private sector and government, especially in getting the resources needed. But how about putting uh, sitting politicians in those positions? Is that actually advantageous to the sport? 
it, it's kind of yes and no. And, and the way it works really is because it was the choice of the Philippine Olympic Committee and the NSAs in this sense to elect and choose uh, these politicians. Again, the perception that because they're in power, they have influence, they have authority over, over and above just the NSA or the sport that they govern. So it is the choice of the Philippine Olympic Committee and the NSAs. And because of the democratic process, you know, we, we sort of can't do anything about that. It is not a crime. But what, uh, what about the flip side? You understand on that point. Yes. On the flip side, okay, for example, government cannot put its people into the positions and force them to, although in this country it has happened. And there is a sort of unwritten principle in the sport govern, you know, the, the sporting world which is government interference. It, it's kind of a gray area, and it really you know, is open to interpretation. So for example, in the election between, um, in, in ousting the former president of the Philippine Olympic Committee, Pepin Cojuanco, mm -hmm. the POC body, the, the General Assembly, the NSAs themselves, wanted an election to replace uh, then President Pepin Cojuanco. And they eventually elected Ricky Vargas. But that was decided upon by a court order. So yeah. in that sense, it is government interference. But if it came from the General Assembly directly, then that's fine. But here in this case, it was a court order. And maybe unfortunately, because it does go against uh, sporting principles and the Philippine Olympic Committee Charter, that the members allowed and recognized the court order. But again, it, it's sort of chicken and egg. If you do defy the court order... Yeah. And did they have is, any choice? There is no choice, and that is contempt of court. And then Vargas, I understand, stepped down afterward. Yes, okay. Um, <laughs> that's another matter altogether because I believe it is connected with a, with a FISGOC as a corporation. Mm. So um, there is also a difference now. Okay, for example... President Duterte say, saying that we will have the military operate the next Southeast Asian Games or next international event. But, but are you even taking that seriously? Or <laughs> well, he one is of those remarks of the president. Well, he's the president of the country. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, assuming that he meant it. Okay. So he is ordering this, but you know the Philippine Olympic Committee should say. Wait a minute, sir. We respect you as the president of the country, but it is our final word that goes. But of course, again, you know, there's negotiations in that. But really, ideally, the authority and the power comes from the Philippine Olympic Committee in these events. But ideally, the POC, for example, can tap mm -hmm. the military or the police. But yes, they have to. But it has to come from the POC, it has to be requested by the POC. And in many cases, of course, the POC and even the NSAs, as private entities, cannot go it alone. They need government support. L like in this case, well, when the Philippines organized the Sea Games this year, the FISCO, I understand, put up different committees. One, for example, in charge of security. So they also had to, to, to get the help of the PNP. Yes. And also the DILG. Yes. But again, it shouldn't be the PNP or, for example, the AFP to impose their uh you know their presence in the event it has to be uh 
requested by the POC or the organizing committee, mm-hmm. which is under the POC. Now, Fisco, why would you put the Speaker of the House there? Of course, I understand that he, this all started when he was still the, uh, the Foreign Secretary of the Philippines. Yes. But we know his close relationship with the uh, president of the POC now. Cayetano is close to Tolentino. Okay. Um, again, the perception that at that time, he was the Secretary of Foreign Affairs. And of course, this is an international event. So maybe in the minds of the POC and the NSAs, the Secretary of Foreign Affairs would be knowledgeable and would be able to organize this better. Okay, uh, of course, with the, with the ties uh, from the different ASEAN countries. But at that time also, you know, there, there are many questions behind the FISGOP. Um, at that time, of course, there was a lapse where Secretary Cayetano at that time had to resign because he was running for Congress mm-hmm. or, or for vice pre- the vice presidency. No, oh, no, I mean the Congress. Congress. Okay, the Congress. 2019. Yes. Okay, the Congress. So he had to resign from his government position. And within that lapse, okay, he was now a civilian, but still head of FISGOC. And then, but in between that time, the, the complications and really the controversy with the Philippine Olympic Committee presidency came into play. So from last year and until this year, we had had three presidents of the Philippine Olympic Committee. And really the term for the president should be four years on, on the Olympic cycle. So every four years. Mm. There, what, 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 what was the real story there? Okay. Moving from one president to another in such a short period. Okay, I guess um, the NSAs really perceived that Mr. Kohanko, Pepin Kohanko, was staying there in his position already for quite a long time. You know, I think he had been there for at least three terms. So basically overstaying his welcome. Is 12 years. In yeah. fact, he was being accused that, no, you're too old, <laughs> you know, but you're still running. He so wanted I to try something new, someone new. Yeah, so they were trying to put in a provision that, you know, to put a, a limit on the age. Okay. But, okay, but is there a term limit for POC presidents? Um, now they're, they're putting, for, for POC, I believe they haven't put that in because then they have to revise the, the POC charter. So and meaning that the president can re- get reelected yes. over and over again? Yes, okay, maybe that's the democratic process again. Um, but it, it's also sometimes a questionable process because I experienced that when I was POC president, not with the age, but at that time because I was representing karate, the Philippine Karate the Federation. And I became the president of the Philippine Olympic Committee. And then soon after they ousted me illegally in 1999, they changed the POC charter to put in the provision that only those NSAs who are in the Olympic calendar are qualified for the presidency of the POC. And at that time, karate wasn't an Olympic sport. Next mm. year it will be. So, it, it, so, it, so it should dep- I come back? So it, de- <laughs> so it depends. Okay, okay. Yeah, exactly. So it, it depends. So right? the story is this. So Pepin Coajo was removed. And then what happened to Ricky Vargas? So um, there was a, an election force, and Ricky Vargas of boxing became the head of the POC. And then... Maybe about uh, March this year, I believe, February or March this year, he quit the position all of a sudden. No explanations. Uh, 
well, just a short statement. He said, um, you know, I believe there's too much politics in this. I'm quitting. Bye. Yeah, which which uh, raised even more questions. Yes, it, it did. And and going by the statements of uh, Mr. Joey Roma Santa, who is head of LVPI, the head of volleyball, he actually made a statement because also between um, that period of time in the interim, he acted as the acting president of the Philippine Olympic Committee. He disowned FISGOC. And because they found out that FISGOC had incorporated in June or July 2018, and they only found out about this early this year, about February, March, when, when Ricky Vargas resigned. And they were saying, why the secrecy? Why did you incorporate? Why did you not inform the POC and the board? And in fact, it didn't have the approval of the board, the corporation. And if you do read the, the, their purpose for existence of FISGOC Incorporated, it really usurps the powers of the Philippine Olympic Committee. And they, they're citing that, you know, we are the body to organize international events. And I think the, 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 the claim was that they wanted to be able to have the legal personality to, to, con to, to enter into contracts, for example. Exactly. And I think that's really the key there, the fact that they can raise money, but this is already the, the functions of the POC. So they were trying to be a pseudo-shadow Philippine Olympic Committee, and, and the fact that um, I think they're registered as Philippine, not, not just FISGOC Inc. in name, but defined as Philippine Southeast Asian Games Organizing Committee Inc. <laughs> or Organizing Corporation. So they're already violating the names there because the name Southeast, even just the Philippine Southeast Asian Games. The term or the name Southeast Asian Games is really a property of the Southeast Asian Games Federation. Uh, so you cannot just use it. Exactly. Y you need permission from the Southeast Asian Games Federation to do and that. And did they get any permission for that? And of course, da down the line, it is also bestowed on the NOC, the Philippine Olympic Committee, that they have the right to use this, the, the right to use this name. So... Joey, Mr. Joey Romasanta declared that we are not part of the FISGOC. We are disowning the FISGOC. But I think because of the time element, um, Bumble Tilantino came in, I believe, about August or September last uh, this year. Mm. So between then and with the impending Southeast Asian Games, which was November, end of November, mid-November, there wasn't much time to organize another committee, a real committee, an ad hoc committee, only for the Southeast Asian Games. So they and stuck to the FISGOC. Yes, and you also have to question FISGOC Inc. in the sense that a corporation's life is 50 years, at least for a corporation, right? Why, why have that? Why, why do you want to have a long life when you're really s supposed to be just an ad hoc committee, meaning just for the, the 30th Southeast Asian Games. In our previous conversation, you mentioned that there was a conflict of interest with the fact that the House Speaker is the Speaker and he heads this private corporation. I found that really conflicting um, in the sense that 
we are using government money, six billion, or you know some figures. Um, some people say it's seven point five billion pesos of public money. And again, the problem here was maybe a credibility gap, in the sense that maybe a lot of sponsors, private corporate sponsors, didn't believe in giving that much money to the uh, Philippine Olympic Committee and the NSAs for this event so that they could not raise enough public funds. And again, the go-to for public funds would be Malacanang or Congress or the Philippine Sports Commission because it's easier. So with Mr. Cayetano there as the chairman of FISGOC, which is a private entity, and he's also a congressman, and he's also the speaker of the house. And of course, Congress has the power of the public purse. They control the money. They act as the fiscalizer mm -hmm. for public money. So really, again, might I say this, it's putting the funds from one pocket into the other pocket of the same pair of short pants. <laughs> so who is going to check? Who's going to be accountable for the monies? Will it be Congress? But wait a minute, you know, the chairman yeah. of the FISGOC is also the House Speaker. Speaking of accountabilities, we know that there's an allocation of 6 billion pesos for, for the FISGOC. And there was, a, uh, I understand, an additional 1.5 billion pesos that were, that were raised by the FISCOC in its capacity.